Welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid for a review of a simply wunderbar German Grand Prix. I am your host this week, Tom, and I am joined as always by Stu Greenwood. Hello. And Chris Evans. Hello. I missed an opportunity to say good and tag there. Damn it. I was desperately trying to think what it was and my brain failed me. <laughs> I, I realized like the second I said hello, my brain went, <laughs> good and tag. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my original intro sting, but I went with Wonderbar instead. <laughs> Wonderbar. It's good. I enjoyed it. Mm. So, yeah. Um, there's so much to talk about. We might as well just get straight into it, I guess. Might as well. I, I guess the first thing to point out, like without going too much into qualifying, is to start with just Ferrari in general's woes in qualifying, where you had Seb not competing at all due to a turbo issue, and then Leclerc getting to Q3 and then not being able to compete properly due to a turbo issue and got, it couldn't go out in Q3. Not a good weekend for them, really, no. in that respect, was it, at all? I'm so glad you mentioned this because I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people will have after what happened on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah, it was a tu- what was it turbo issue and a fuel system issue for yeah. Leclerc, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. And- that was a shocker. I was so 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 gutted. I was effing and jeffing in the office. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I think at that point we all really thought it was just going to be. Oh, here we go, another boring Hamilton wins from the front weekend. Yeah. There was a lot of dismay when when they, let's put it this way, when you've got Vettel starting from the back and Leclerc from 10th, although you know they'll pick up places, we thought it was never going to end up the way that it did in the end. Yeah, did we? <laughs> no. so. yeah I mean, it did give us a, the rain did give us a treat, but I, I was kind of looking forward to Verstappen on soft tyres and Hamilton on medium tyres off the line as well. I thought that was going to yeah. be pretty spicy into turn one. <laughs> That, that didn't, uh, but yeah, that didn't, didn't come to that be, didn't did it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, never, never came to be. But yeah, sort of going into the race then, with, with them out of position, it, as you just pointed out, Stuart, left Max on the front row with Lewis. Um, but we had rain, and it led to a new introduction, which was doing a number of formation laps behind the safety car in order to avoid having a safety car start realistically. And the, the idea was mm. to let the drivers size up where the track was in terms of the conditions, but then also hopefully shift some of that standing water by running a few laps to allow them to do a standing start rather than a start from behind the safety car. And to be fair, it seemed to serve its purpose, I think, didn't it? Like we got the start yeah, that we I wanted, so. I think. Well, yeah, we did, except the inside line <laughs> on, <laughs> on the on the grid was a lot wetter than the outside line, wasn't it? Yeah. It kind of looked like there were one set of start lights for the left-hand side of the grid and then a second set of start <laughs> lights about a second or two behind for the right-hand side of the grid. Yeah. They just didn't move, did they? Yeah, Max suffered particularly badly, didn't yeah. he? He was yeah. like bogged down, wheel spinning in the wet, and what he, did he lose about four, maybe even five places? I think so, yeah. He, he dropped he did. back he dropped right back. Way. Yeah. Um, so as, as did Gasly, actually. Both Red Bulls had issues off the line. Yeah. So the first piece of drama was Perez pirouetting into the barrier, coming out of turn 10 onto the straight. And 
to be honest, he never looked like he had control of the car at any point during that lap. No. <laughs> Especially not when he put his foot down uh, on the straight coming out of the Mercedes stadium section um, and heading down towards the main stadium section. As soon as you saw him, it was kind of a, when's he going to crash, not if he's going to crash, wasn't yeah. it? Mm. Like, you know, everyone was a little bit twitchy, um, even on the full wets, but Perez in particular didn't seem to be having a good time. Like the, the back end no. just looked to be really, really loose on the racing point, I think. Maybe they just, the way the step direction they'd gone suited the wet even less than most other cars. Potentially, I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously, that can change. That can change the rear wing angle if it's wet, can't they? But that's only one thing in a lot of setup options. I yeah, guess. there's that. Or he might have just been a little bit over enthusiastic with the throttle pedal, <laughs> or that. <laughs> Possibly more. Like I think it. that's definitely a factor, isn't it? To be fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he met an untimely demise at the wall, uh, which led to the first of many, many safety cars, um, virtual and otherwise. Vettel at this point took a chance to jump onto Inters. Uh, he was probably the first person to do it, and most of the pack then decided to follow suit and go with him. But he got a nice jump because of where he was in the field at the time the safety car was called. A lot of others had started to pass the start-finish straight and the pit entry, which meant Vettel sort of had a little bit of a jump on everyone getting in there. Um, so it was it was interesting call by Ferrari, which was a, a good call. We don't always see it, but it happened. <laughs> Yeah. It was actually the first of many good strategy calls from Ferrari in this race. Yeah. Do we think they've maybe started to get on top of that? Do you think this is a sign of them starting to do a better job in that area of the team? Maybe. Maybe they're just only good at wet weather strategy. Well, yeah, and, and we only saw that for half the race they only had to manage strategy for one car, which they're actually not bad at. It's when no, it comes, true. When, it, when it's managing for two cars, that's when they really struggle. Also, I mean, obviously, I've not heard the radio, but you do have to wonder how much of that was Vettel saying, I'm coming in, rather than the team suggesting it to him. Yes, mm. there is that as well. Um, as far as I'm aware, he didn't suggest it to the rate on the radio. I think it was all um, it was all teamwork, that one. Well, good on them if it was. Mm. During all those pit stops as well, um, Leclerc was released pretty much into the side of Roman Grosjean. <laughs> Um, which caused a penalty, <laughs> I believe, for an unsafe <gasps> release. It did, but it wasn't the penalty you'd expect, is it? Was it? No, this was the fine, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Some people have been a little... Um, Taken aback? Up in arms about <laughs> this, yeah. It was a, it was a fine... In fact, the, the TV graphic said, like, penalty for Ferrari financial or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was along those lines. Um, I think that's wrong. I think that's absolutely the wrong the wrong decision, completely the wrong decision. It should be a sporting penalty every single time because yeah. now the teams with loads of cash are just going to sacrifice the... Basically, what that says is, yes, you can release your car in the path of another one and you know gain an advantage from it and you'll just have to pay money for it. That's have, ridiculous. Have we heard a justification on why it was a financial penalty rather than the usual? No. Yes. Oh, you have. I haven't. Go on. I'm reading something right here. So Michael Massey, the new uh, FIRS director, said, so a lot of people compared it to when Verstappen in Monaco last year got a, sorry, no, Monaco this year, Verstappen got a five-second penalty and two points on his license for colliding with Bottas. 
uh, Massey said Verstappen's penalty was labelled an unsafe release, but he was actually causing a collision in a pit lane. So that's why that was different to the one today, which was clearly an unsafe release. Mm. So I guess what they're saying there is they're putting some of the blame on Verstappen for that incident, whereas the one this weekend was purely on the team, I guess is what they're saying there. That doesn't make it the right penalty, though. That's, no, that, that I absolutely agree. doesn't make it right. Because they also said they took changeable conditions and the fact that lots of people were pitting simultaneously into account. No, still don't buy um, But it's still one of those factors, like what Stu says, it's a case of if you give them this potential opportunity to just buy their way out of a penalty, they'll commit the penalty and just pay the fine. Yeah, every single time. There's a list here of previous unsafe releases and the ones that have actually got fines rather than penalties. But all the ones that got fined were like released from the pits without a wheel fastened properly. There's lots of those, in fact, released while the team was still working on it, injuring a mechanic. Yeah, the, the, all the financial ones are things like that where it's a bit of the car's not on. Or it's yeah, been, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, a mechanical mistake or a putting people in danger mistake, not mm. a colliding with other car mistakes so yeah that that doesn't feel consistent to me at all yeah it's i think it's totally wrong it's totally 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 wrong it could have it could have ruined um grosjean's race if it uh yeah if it wasn't already having a terrible one um yeah that, that there we, i mean we've said it already the precedent there now is release your car into the path of another one wreck someone else's race pay financially for it and mm. continue to get your points. So, like, and you, the other thing to remember is like the amount of points that they it, say say this happened further down the grid, and this like made a difference to someone's championship position. That five thousand pound, your whatever it was, fine, euro, dollars, whatever it was. That's not gonna have. That's that's just a drop in the ocean compared to the amount of money between yeah. the two positions in the championship. So, I think it's it's just totally totally wrong. It's they've they've, they've got that one wrong for me. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's many people that disagree with you, to be honest. No. Um, They'd have been better off. They'd have been better off not putting a graphic up and not showing the world, just, just, just forgetting the penalty or just saying no, um, no further no action, action or investigating mm. after the race or something like that. Yeah. And then if they'd, if they'd said, if, if the race had gone by and they'd said financial fine, it would have gone down a lot better with the general population. Because mm. it, it, we had such a great race anyway, it was such a. It actually turned out to be such a tiny, teeny event <laughs> within yeah. the race that no one would be talking about it now. But the fact that they've told the world during the live broadcast that it's a financial penalty, everyone, mm. you know, straight away opens. And of course, it's Ferrari, and people love to follow the old narrative: Ferrari's international assistance. Of course, they? yes. So. But it's right to say about the money, Stu. Like, just looking it up, last year, teams reportedly got $100,000 per championship point. And Grosjean scored six points this race. So for potentially taking someone out of a $600,000 paying position and you get a $5,000 fine instead of it, it just just doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, yeah. The maths is just... um, Does not work. Yeah. Yeah. Messed up. Definitely. Following that, the other Haas in the scenario, Magnussen <laughs> and Lance Stroll in the racing point, basically mixed it up with the big boys for a few laps. They both decided to stay out on the wets rather than pitting while everyone else was. And it led to quite a tasty little battle between Magnussen, Leclerc and Hulkenberg. 
And then Magnuson even got himself involved fighting Kimmy and Vettel, which led to an absolutely <laughs> insane move from Kimmy, where he kind of yeah. simultaneously defended from Vettel and overtook Magnuson all at the same yeah. time. Yeah, that was crazy. Ultimate move that was so, that had everything: Def- defense and offense in one move. <laughs> Amazing. It was proper just. You don't know where to look, wasn't it, at that point? Yeah. There was just stuff going on all yeah. over the place. Yeah. yeah, and you had this little bit of a mix-up where some had decided to try and hang it out on the wets and see if they could go for a bit longer and then maybe possibly just make a jump straight to slicks is possible what they were hoping for. Or maybe they were mm-hmm. hoping the rain might come back again. And there was, there was a nice little element of unknown about it where people were trying different things. And I think, as we see throughout the race, this was kind of the start of that, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Ju- just really quickly, while, while we've got Magnuson fresh in the mind, he started fifth, remember? Yeah. <laughs> he qualified yeah. fifth in the Haas. The Haas yeah. suddenly found some pace. I yeah. don't know. He, so Magnuson was on the new spec, wasn't he? It was, it's Grosjean yes. is still running Australia spec. Yes. So I guess the new stuff's working. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, it might be working where they might not necessarily working, know why working, it's working. Yeah, working in qualifying at least. Yeah. They had better quality pace than they did race pace already though didn't they we kind of knew that we had that maybe not to the extent that we saw but i think that both the ferraris being behind him instantly helped so yeah it's yeah maybe pinch of salt i guess but well it would have been still would have been seventh wouldn't it i mean there's still best of the rest so like and that midfield pack is tight so Definitely. You know. Yep. Not long after that, we saw what I'm referring to as Charles going no-handed for a tail grind down the <laughs> down the curb <laughs> on the outside of turn 15 and 16, what? which was just the most insane piece of driving I think I've seen in a long time. Where he literally, as the back end washed out over the curb, he'd literally let go of the wheel to let the car yeah. almost balance itself. Then we grabbed it and and fixed him like kind of caught the car it was ridiculous <laughs> i miss i missed that yeah, yeah i remember that it was i mean we mentioned it with perez leclerc was another one who honestly didn't look in full control of that car for <laughs> the entire time he was out there basically <laughs> well it was first of many trips to the uh, drag strip for him wasn't it let's put it that way <laughs> Uh, Maybe he's eyeing up a future career in drag driving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I bet he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, when I saw that, it kind of made me hopeful that oh, maybe he's he's got a grasp on this and he, he can do something with it. Because to be fair to him, at that point, he was starting to potentially make a push through the field, wasn't yeah. he? And he, he, was, he was looking good to, to get up front and make a fight out of it. But, well... We all know what happened later on. <laughs> yes. So, um, not long after that, Ricardo had an engine failure causing a virtual safety car. So we entered another phase of people altering strategy under the safety car. Um, Leclerc and Hulkenberg both used that as a time to pit for fresh inters because uh, Hulkenberg is, uh, was part of the fight, obviously, earlier on with Leclerc. And Magnuson, so they they've both gone for maybe going for the fresh set of inters, hoping again, hoping the rain would come, but mm. never really panned out for either of them, did it? <laughs> well, it was it was looking very good for Leclerc. 
Well, he, to be fair, actually, Hulkenberg at one point was running second or third around not yeah, long after this. Was. For, so, for a while he was, for a few laps, a good few laps. Yeah. Until he so pitted. It was the right decision for those two, I think, at that time. Yeah, definitely. It was It was another, and we don't say this very often, good Ferrari strategy call. Yeah. 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 It's well it's it's a case of it's just the it's one of those races where you have to be on the right tires one hundred percent of the time. And some of that's luck and some of it's judgment. Um hope and still I think more of it is judgment than luck. Um yeah. and you know, certain cars there's one or two cars that were on exactly the right tire. 100%, no more or less 100% of the time. I'm going to say, I'm not sure anyone managed it absolutely 100% of the time, no. but some definitely came a lot closer. Some more than, than others. others, yeah. Some came, yeah. all right, yeah. That, and, and it shows in the results, I think. Yeah, yeah totally. Definitely. Do you know what it was very reminiscent of for me? Um, and it's probably a race we talk about quite a lot due to a slight bias, but <laughs> the Canada race with the stoppage, and the drive through the field from Jensen and yeah, the, totally. the balance in between the heavy rain, the intermittent rain, and then the dry line mm. coming through. And just that whole scenario of Jensen pitted, what was it, six times in that race? I think it uh, was. Six or seven, I think, yeah. yeah. And you crazy. got a lot of people pitted five times in this race specifically and did six stints on, on different tyres. So a lot of like spins and mishaps leading to in you know like interesting finishing positions and i, I it definitely reminded me a lot of that Canada race well a, a good example of just how quickly things change in this race Lance Stroll after the race said that they made the wrong tire call four times out of five in all of his pit stops and it just <laughs> happened to be that the one time they got it right it put him in the lead of the race yeah. like that's just how quickly things could change and how little decisions totally turn the race on its head but we're jumping ahead there a little bit or i'm jumping ahead there (laughs) a little bit yeah we saw verstappen have a little bit of a look at bottas at this point as well but he it was a bit of an odd moment for him to lose it but i guess it was like a snap of oversteer he tried to correct and then the car just seemed to grip a lot quicker than i think he thought it would and it led to him almost turning left at a right hand hairpin (laughs) it's a bit of an odd scenario to see i think wasn't it that was weird. That 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 I think that was the initial camera angle that made that look weird. Because from above, true, it didn't. It just looked relatively normal. He, he he slowed right down. He almost came to a complete stop. But he it looked much more normal from above. But for some reason, I think it, the way the camera was moving, the way it was tracking the cars, it almost looked like it, it did look like he'd turn left, like really, really yeah. turned left. When actually that didn't really really happen from above. It just looked like a normal sideways moment that he caught and gathered up and carried on. But yeah, I appreciate it, we we all were like we were watching it and we were like, what just happened there? We yeah. were really weirded <laughs> out by it. It was odd. That whole thing because because there's a couple of laps where it looked like he was going to have a look down the inside of Bottas into that hairpin, and it looked a lot to me like Bottas was very happy taking a very wide line around that corner because he knew the grip was there. And he was almost like, you do what you want up the inside because <laughs> I know for a fact you're just going to be in a world of trouble trying to take the inside. And Bottas was just very calmly going around the outside of the hairpin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as we said, it kind of proved to be the case because Verstappen was all over the shop. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think he had another go into that hairpin as a concept. No, he learned his lesson. <laughs> sort of learned his lesson, exactly. This is the point now where people started trying to risk slicks and Kevin Magnussen was the first person of the bunch to give it a go. 
uh, and he actually triggered other people into moving on to slick ties as well. And I think that was partly because he wasn't necessarily faster than people still on inters, but he was on the pace. And I think people could see the potential for a changeover coming. And it, we got Vettel in onto softs. Verstappen, for some reason, ended up on mediums. I'm, I'm yeah. not sure of Completely the logic the of that tire. decision. Wrong time. Yeah, it was baffling. But that was a bad call, I think, personally. Um, as we saw because of the fact that he, he ended up pirouetting uh, coming through the stadium section, through the kink, and sort of ended up riding the curb and somehow managed to keep it on the tarmac afterwards and yeah. Yeah, drive away mad. relatively yeah. unscathed. Uh, but a bit of a crazy that spin. Was, that's literally like a Mario Kart spin. Like, you, yeah. banana, <laughs> you spin 360 degrees, you, you settle exactly the direction you're facing in the first place, and you carry on. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Somehow didn't damage the underneath of his car as well. I think he's lucky that when he hit the curb, it was right in the centre of the car, so he didn't kind of damage the diffuser or the tea tray yeah, or anything that like that like yeah. a foot either way and it just ripped the diffuser off nothing to do with the sheer amount of rake they run on that car then <laughs> yeah that'll help yeah, <laughs> yeah. um again the, the way that he kind of caught it and drove off reminded me of something else from the past in a wet race which was i can't remember what year it was but do you remember when he very nearly ended up in the wall in brazil and somehow oh, yeah. managed to like catch it at the last minute yes and continue. it sort of reminded me of that a little because he sort of spun round and then there's this moment where he just kind of grabs it and he's off again like like nothing had ever happened and i think it's to do with the way that he is he seems to be very intelligent about when to not use his brakes in those scenarios because, especially in the wet, that's a scenario you don't want to be trying to stop the car with the brakes. Yeah. You almost need to let the car do its thing, a little bit like the Charles moment we talked about earlier where he just kind of let the car do its thing and then caught it. Both those incidents, I guess, are kind of similar where it's just having that natural reaction to trust trust the car i guess and then yeah. then catch it when the moment's right and just seems he does have a impressive. very he's got a very deft touch for that kind of thing because i mean do you remember as well brazil when he was in toro Rosso, it was yeah. the last one corner and he was just like 90 degrees to the curb and somehow Held still flicked it. Yes. it back in he just yeah. he really has a knack for saving those kind of moments mm. yeah definitely maybe yeah. something in his style i guess the way that he drives maybe or maybe yeah, he's just probably. really bloody lucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could be that as well. Could be that as well. Um, around this time as well, we saw Charles go for another trip through the drag strip. Um, this was the one where he ended up completely off circuit. Sort of the exit of 15 is where he lost it again. Went to the drag strip, but managed to sort of regain control of the car there and then jump back on at the final turn. <laughs> Do you think it was inevitable what we eventually saw when we kept seeing things like this? I think we could it see... It kind of started feeling like it, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, you could kind of see it coming, I think. He really seemed to... Like, I can't really... I'm trying to think back at previous wet races that Leclerc's been in and how he's done. We've not really had many races this wet in the last couple of years, have we? Closest not we've really. had to it is probably the start at Singapore, I'd say. Yeah, yeah probably. But also, not many other tracks have a a, a, a slick. Um, <laughs> That's true. You know, a, whatever a drag strip for just on the outside of turn sixteen. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that that's a factor too for sure. Yeah, definitely. based on this race though, it definitely kind of feels a little bit like that. This might be a uh, 
part of his toolkit that's missing his uh, wet weather driving. Yeah, maybe he I don't didn't know. I think... look. He, he did not look comfortable from lap one. None in that of them car. did. He was though. all over the shop. None of them looked comfortable. It, it was such a that race was a lottery, really. Like it is when, but... when Lewis Hamilton crashes out of a race in the wet. You know, it's like probably a little bit too wet for him because he's a master in the rain. Yeah, but then you've got someone like, well, I don't know if this proves or disproves the point. I was going to say, you got someone like Alex Albon, who has literally never driven an F1 car in the wet, and he brings it home in the points. But then, is that further evidence that it is just a lottery? I mean, yeah, I'd say yes, it is. I think it is just, I, I think much more. It's not, they all had a really, really, really hard time of it yesterday. They earned their money. Well, the ones oh, yeah, that didn't, a... the ones that finished <laughs> earned yeah. their money. It was around this time that we saw Lando Norris retire. Um, do you know what? I forgot to write down exactly what the reason was. Do either of you remember? He, the he had a, it was an engine issue, um, and he, he had no power, and his gears went out of sync as a result, and he had to retire the car. Fair enough. I think that the overall issue was a engine loss of power. Yeah, this is. I've not really seen much mention of this in everything else going on, but in a race where if you just make it to the end, there's a very good chance you're going to score some points and probably some decent points. To have two Renault engines fail on you is just not good enough, is it? Nope. This was a really miserable race for Renault to have two mechanical failures. And they're also not under as much of a stress, I guess. No. Is what they would be in a... Like, obviously, the temperatures are a lot lower because of the weather, but also they're not being pushed as hard to the limits because of the tentative nature of driving in the wet. So it's mm. not like the engines were under a huge amount of stress, but we also don't know like what sessions and races and things those engines have already done. They, they, yeah, they could true. have been at the end of their life yeah, cycle, definitely, I guess. Um, if, uh, Ricardo, was, Ricardo was on engine one, and that was at the end of its life. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right, I see what you mean. I thought you meant first race of it which would have been terrible no no engine number one yeah, yeah the first engine well ran. it was definitely the end of its life we all saw yeah, <laughs> yeah. the life pouring out the back of his car yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and all the oil as well that's probably after reason it looks even more slippery than it was because it left yeah. a trail of oil up to the um yeah to where he pulled it up interestingly seeing the way he um the way he drove after his engine went reminded me that um, a, a marshal from Silverstone did a ask me anything on a Reddit recently. And one thing that someone asked him about was like different drivers doing different things, how that like helps or hinders you. And one thing he pointed out was when, in fact, he was right in front of us at Silverstone when his engine went in practice, uh, Ricardo's engine went. And he kind of tootled around a bit and ended up in the middle of the gravel halfway between two corners. Mm. This marshal was like, that's a perfect example of what are you doing over there? There's a gap in the fence right here. Um, if he had parked it next to the gap in the fence, they probably wouldn't have even need to stop the session because they could have just recovered it in a few minutes. And w- as it was, he stuck it that far away. They had to spend like 10 minutes pushing it back. And then with that in my mind, you see his engine go and he just kind of drove another half a lap, just sort of weaving backwards and forwards. And it's like, what are you doing, Daniel? It's, it's clearly not working anymore. Just park it up somewhere. Yeah, like you get the frustration of, of oh, the you fact do. that it's happened again, but like you say, you you still expect someone of his caliber to go find. Yeah, you'd expect him well, to have the awareness to go find the the decent exit spots. The, well, the thing is, he does have yeah, he does have the awareness. Is the thing. So like, once that car gets collected, 
it's going to be sat by the side of the track until the end of the race. And then mm. the marshals have got to get it back to the garage. And then they've got to, eventually when they do get that car back to the garage, they then get they then have to pack it up. So I think what he's probably doing is thinking of the team, knowing that it's a back-to-back weekend, thinking, yeah, let's probably. get this car back, get it fixed, give them more time to fix it and look at it. it you know, it's small margins, um, take the pressure off the team and get it all fixed up for uh, for for Hungary. Yeah, you could well be right there. Although I, I, I would still say weaving around, dropping oil out of the track, probably yeah, not the I mean, best yeah, way of doing it. Definitely, not, he hasn't helped the, the the stewards or the or the other cars no. on the track at all, has he? But yeah. then you know, why should he? You got to think <laughs> of yourself. These guys don't end up driving Formula One cars because they're worried about other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Fair point. During the safety car, the well, sorry, virtual safety car that. Lando's retirement caused um, few others started trying to move on to the softs. Um, Charles and Lewis most notably, but this probably led to both their demises in this race. This pit stop, um, yeah. Charles, within the lap of coming out, we saw going off again across the drag strip. Um, without the the wet grip of the inters, he had absolutely no chance and just aquaplane straight across the drag strip and into the wall on the exit of the corner. Um, and that was it. He was beached. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. It was such a, such a slow, agonizing slide off the track as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think when you saw like, him get that snap that was leading to it, it was, it all sort of went in slow motion then because you're like, you know, yeah. you know what's coming now. You know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. It, it was agonizing because he was probably on course to, if not take the lead to be, uh, second quite close to Verstappen when the pit stops had shaken out at that point. Yeah. And yeah, real shame. Mm. Also a shame for my predictions because I had him to win. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, <laughs> ha. <laughs> it, it wasn't that dissimilar an incident for Hamilton, really, though, was it? Like literally he pitted after Leclerc. Lap. And uh, yeah, as he came round after him, um, he did pretty much the exact same thing. He was just... I say lucky, <laughs> he was less unfortunate <laughs> to yeah. not get yeah. beached, uh, but he trashed the front wing. Um, he'd already passed the pit entrance and he made a, a risky move, essentially, of going into the pits after the entry bollard limit, uh, which led to a five-second penalty uh, and led to a lot of panic in the Mercedes garage because they just weren't <laughs> ready for him to be there. They they didn't have a nose ready. They didn't have the inters ready. They were struggling to then find the inters they wanted to go back onto. It yeah. was it was a very un Mercedes like showing for thirty seconds to a minute, wasn't it? Shambles. Well, now in, in Mercedes' defence, and I know I'm like I'm not playing devil's advocate here. I don't mean to if I am anyway. But um, <laughs> in Mercedes' defence, Hamilton did have his accident about. 30 feet away from the garage <laughs> oh no yeah so, so there's no denying they didn't have much time to prepare yeah but. The, the, between him hitting the wall and him being in his pit box was probably about 20 seconds if that so and he even they even found time on the radio because th- this i do know he he was talking on the radio just before the accident and um then he lost it then he took his front wing off and then um he said box box i've taken off my freaking front wing um hmm. and uh then his engineer was on the radio inters do you want inters and he's like hell yeah i want inters <laughs> 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 and 
Um, so they then obviously got to, and that's all in, you know, that that's after his crash. So that at that point, they've probably got 10 seconds to dig out a set yeah. of inters, throw him on the car and get him and, and a new nose and get him back out again. And when, when the team are already probably watching what's happening with uh, Leclerc, because Leclerc's gone off. So they're all try, trying to figure out, do we pit? Don't we pit? There's probably a few conversations going at the same time. And, Hamilton's engineer has then got to interject into all that and say, <laughs> so, actually, lads. we've got, we, you know, he's coming in, he's coming in kind of thing. So <laughs> I think that's probably why it looked a lot more chaotic. Well, it, it was, it was very, very chaotic. And that's probably why. The, the absolute cherry on top of that though, like it's, it's always kind of entertaining to see people in chaos like that. Yeah, it is. But the fact that because the Mercedes were doing this celebrating their anniversary thing and everyone was in yeah. their 1950s clothes. In the middle of it all, you've just got blokes in flat caps running around. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was I was in pieces so watching it. Like, uh, there's a, I've already seen a video of that pit stop with the Benny Hill yeah. music over the top of it. Thing. And it's just perfection. It's absolute perfection. Yeah, just ever so, so slightly sped up. <laughs> yeah, um, Benny Hill music like, over see, the top. And like seeing Toto like banging the desk when he's wearing his like braces yes, and the fancy braces. hat and stuff. Oh, it was, there is a, like a perverse side of me that finds that absolutely hilarious. The misfortune the, of it and the silliness of it. Yeah. And the absolute best thing is this is the weekend where the Netflix people were spending the entire yeah. race weekend yeah. with Mercedes. Yeah. So that is going to be a choice episode yeah, when yeah. that comes out. It's, it's almost picked. like it was planned, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you system. see? You actually saw, you could see the Netflix cameras behind them in yeah. the garage at times. Like you could see the little signs on the cameras and stuff. So good. Can't wait for that episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to be amazing. A quick note, I guess, while we're here thoughts on the five second penalty because i've heard different opinions from inside f1 of some people thinking it's stupid some people thinking it's exactly right so i'm just interested Um, to know our opinions my opinion is absolutely right he the rule is you go to the right of the bollard he didn't go to the right of the bollard it's a safety thing um and it was the right thing for him to do for his race as well because yes. the amount of time he would have lost going all the way around the oh, track yeah. paled in comparison to the five-second penalty that he would have got. So it was an yeah. educated um, decision that he made, and it was the right decision, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree yeah, with that. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I think that I have seen people say it shouldn't have been a penalty, but I just don't... <laughs> should have been. Absolutely should yeah, have Yeah, it definitely should have been. It, the rule the rule is cut and dry. Like, if you yeah. go on the wrong side of that ballard, it is a penalty. You can understand if when there's, like, you're talking about whether someone's crossed, crossed a white line or not, and you can, like, oh, so maybe they didn't quite touch the line, or maybe only part of the car was over it. Like, if it's a physical ballard and you don't go the right way around it, that's pretty slam dunk, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the other thing as well is, like you said, Stu, the the key thing is it's it's weighing up that decision in a split second of do you know what even if I get a penalty for going the wrong way around this ballard it is better than doing an entire lap in this condition um, yeah. and that that's exactly why he made the yeah decision. that would have lost him yeah, if, if, if he carries on around the track there's no guarantee that he's even going to get all the way around and back yeah. into the garage with exactly. no front wing in those conditions so yeah totally yeah. the right decision. So that was that. <laughs> that is, that's like the not even the height of the drama, really, is it? At that point, no, it's this definitely is, we're not even like it, halfway but... through the race at this point. That's the crazy thing. So much, so much went on. This is this is about the point where I looked at the lap count and was like, "We're not even halfway. <laughs> yeah. Like, how am I going <laughs> to handle the rest of this?" 
So all this drama going on led to um, Verstappen in the lead, Hulkenberg in second, as we briefly mentioned earlier, and Bottas in third. And also, I think notably, Albon running in fourth for quite a while at this point as well, doing a decent job in the Toro Rosso. Um, yep. Hulkenberg and then Science as well, who was in sixth at the time, had basically benefited from deciding to stay out and not going for the slicks when a lot of other people did. So it, it all comes back to this feel for should we pit, should we not? Those two seem to have benefited quite significantly from deciding to stay on the Inters as a lot of people did what, five laps tops and then we're back on the Inters. Yeah, it was so. quite funny actually. Looking down the uh, the tyre chart, um, yeah. there's there's like a line down the middle of it of like yellow and red <laughs> yeah. um, where they've all like had a, in between the green of the Inters, they've all had a little gamble on there and they've thought like, nope. No. Yeah. <laughs> Hulkenberg, however, not long after that, basically made it a trio of trips across the drag strip and um, <laughs> ended up in the wall a little bit further around than the other two, but like at the end of the lap, essentially, he just, again, locked up an aquaplane and that was on Inters as well. Uh, just aquaplane straight across it and into the wall. And there was this really like heartbreaking moment of him desperately trying to get out the gravel trap. And yeah. as he's putting his foot down, the wheels are just spinning up and it's just turning him further into the wall. And you're thinking, oh, Nico, this was your chance. This yeah. was the chance to like break that That's duck. the thing. Yeah, the second he popped up, like all the commentary and stuff was like dragging out how the stats of how many races he's been and he's still not got a podium. And as soon as I start saying it, it's like, it's never going to happen, is it? It's just, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah. He was absolutely devastated. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say, you mentioned earlier about Leclerc when he did his little um, 50-50 grind or whatever you called it, <laughs> sort of how he wasn't hard on the brakes and sort of doing the right thing with the steering. <laughs> Hulkenberg was the opposite of that. Yeah. He just fully on the brakes and just all four wheels locked aquaplane to the wall like yeah. panic he was never getting out of that and that was both Renault was gone at that point wasn't it yeah 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 um, so that's f- three Renault engines out of the uh, out of the race <laughs> yeah not great and another safety car <laughs> and a safety yeah. car did almost as many laps as everybody else this race <laughs> um, uh, Max pitted for Inters uh, during that safety car window um, and we then basically saw Hamilton trying to battle back through the field, battling with Sainz specifically. Um, but it was there was a a moment where there, there were almost like a block of four of them going through the hairpin. You had Hamilton battling Sainz for position, but then you also had Albon and Gasly having a little bit of a sniff at, at trying to get involved in that as well. And it was just like it was kind of a, a group of four going around the hairpin and then tracing each other into the Mercedes. Uh, stadium section yeah it was just crazy wasn't it at that point there's so much fighting going on yeah loads um, of they're all on completely uh, different tires yeah, yeah. <laughs> that as well i don't know if you saw after the race um albon said he thinks he'd actually finish higher if it wasn't for that little scrap that you just mentioned because he he got put into a situation where he actually had to try to overtake Lewis Hamilton, which is probably not something he'd ever yes. think he'd be saying. But like not the fact the that he, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fact that he had to do that kind of ruined the race for him because he then lost a few places, didn't he? Yeah, as a consequence he did, yeah. It wasn't long after this that people sort of moved on to slicks and they finally started to work for people. The interesting one, I think, of this was Stroll who actually, I'm going to say, stealthed his way to the front of the pack. By, <laughs> he, he was kind of one of the last pit stops under the safety car, as far as I'm aware. And 
they made that gamble of going to the slicks there and then. Yeah, he was one of the first to take slicks. Yeah, and other people were still throwing inters on, uh, like Max, for example. Um, and yeah, it paid off for him briefly. Like he led the race for a brief time. <laughs> yeah, not that you saw it on the world feed. Yeah. It yeah it's a shame they didn't show it. Well, yeah. Yeah, that was unfortunate. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it didn't take Max long to retake the lead, I guess, did it? Yeah, it was about a lap. It was about one and a bit laps it took. And and yeah, I watched the t- I, I could see the gap in the numbers just like getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Like, no, we're not gonna see it. We're not gonna see it. We didn't even see the overtake <laughs> for Max to take no. the lead again. That's a that's a overtake for the lead of the race and they didn't show it. Yeah. <laughs> it was the actually the only on track overtake for the lead as well. In a race with lots of lead changes, that was the only on track <laughs> one and we didn't see it. Really? Was it? Yeah. As if I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yep. It was the only one of 105 total overtakes. Wow. Wow. I like that number. <laughs> I also like that only 20 were with DRS, largely because it was mostly too yeah. wet to have DRS. Yeah, it was mostly turned off. <laughs> Lewis had another trip off track, losing it in, to be fair, what was a fairly scary moment in turn one. Like as he flicked it into turn one, hit a bit of a wet patch on the slicks. And he very narrowly avoided sticking it into the um, the barrier on the outside, um, and essentially that sort of dropped him to the back of the field. But I think that was personally, I thought it was a bit of a scary moment. That that sort of speed yeah. and then just losing the rear end like that was really nasty. Yeah, it's interesting because Vettel said after the race that turn one was where he made up most of his time because he was could see how cautious everyone was being through turn one, and he he said he basically thought that's my chance to make up time. I've just got to be brave. And so he was throwing it in there every time. And obviously he made it stick where a lot of people didn't. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, I like that. I like that. I yeah. Know. He also said that from inside the car, he had no idea how heavy it was raining. So he was basically spending the whole race glancing at the grandstands to see if people had their umbrellas up or not. <laughs> and that's how he knew what the weather was doing. What a legend. That's, I yeah. love that insight. That's really cool. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Really yeah. like that. After that, we saw the Haas boys come together at the hairpin for, I've lost count of how many times this has happened now. <laughs> um, it feels like it's been about three races in a row, at least, that they've I come together has, in yeah. some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, do you think that is just purely like a, a desperate struggle to survive in that team because they feel like I really think one of them's it's going? A, I think it's, um, I actually think it's more Grosjean than it is... Um, Magnussen. I think Magnussen is the stronger driver and Grosjean's kind of... Over, and, and he, but Magnussen's probably overly trying to assert his authority when he probably doesn't need to that much. Mm. And because of the desperation um, that Grosjean's got to keep his drive and, you know, he's already been out of Formula 1 once, he doesn't want it to happen again. It's just causing him to overdrive and overdefend maybe in places yeah. and, and, you know, cause, cause some of these accidents. Um it's a fascinating dynamic. It's one of my favourite inter-team battles that's going it on. Is, yeah. It is, Because just from the outside, it's really, really interesting to see. And ne- none of them can hide it either. It's really, yeah. you know, you're no. getting a real window into the the competitive nature of, of two teammates inside Formula One. And that, to me, is really cool. Yeah, Grosjean just seems so desperate to stay ahead. Well, to get ahead of Magnus. And he's yeah. 10 points behind now, I think. And he... He knows he needs to be ahead of that if he's got any chance of keeping that seat, I think. I think it shows yeah. the difference between the two of them in terms of the personalities and things like that as well and the mentalities because 
like you say, you've you've got Magnuson that is that very sort of dominant figure and and very elbows out, and you've got Grosjean who's quite honestly the opposite of that a lot of the times, isn't he? So yeah, it's, a delicate flower. Yeah, yeah, a delicate flower and of I, a Formula One driver. Yeah, and I think Magnuson as well is very aware of that and yeah. kind of plays mm. to that and will put them in situations where he knows Grosjean's going to do particular things he's he's definitely kind of got the measure of him hasn't he yeah for sure like one of the radio messages um, Magnussen put across to the team was I do not trust this guy to go racing like he's yeah that's even while they're while he's driving the car he's (laughs) even playing politics while he's driving the car with the team he's even saying you know I, I don't feel comfortable racing against this guy and it's not on great, the, is yeah, it? Yeah, on the other side, you've got Grosjean, who's basically complaining, saying, he, I think his message was, um, this guy is uh, unbelievable, or, or worse to that effect, um, he will never learn. And it's like, yeah. what has Magnussen got to learn? He's just overtaken you fair and square, <laughs> really. Yeah, he had his elbows out a little bit to do it, but it, it, was a, it, it was a fair enough overtake for me. That's racing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. It doesn't help that every time someone comes near overtaking Grosjean, he just like looks like a startled cat and just falls off the track yeah. most of the yeah. time, doesn't he? He just melts. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those goats. <laughs> you know when a goat becomes scared and it just flips on its side? <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> There's flashbacks to Grosjean of old that was constantly on his side as well. Yeah. <laughs> that That's the other thing. Like I think the, the thing that worries Grosjean more is that he already knows this is like his second opportunity and he knows what it's like to be dropped, I guess, doesn't he, from his past. So I think that's why he's so scared of what is potentially coming his way. Yeah. yeah. Um, in a similar incident to Lewis, almost identical, uh, Bottas came off at turn one, except he wasn't as lucky with the barriers and wiped out the nose of the car and we saw the safety car yet again. It was going a lot faster faster as well. Yeah, Yeah, there is that. I could not believe Bottas did that. Mm. It's like, it's crazy that this is probably been Hamilton's worst race in ever. Three, four seasons, maybe ever, yeah. And he's actually come away from it extending his lead slightly like this yeah. this was Bottas's massive chance to close that gap start putting the pressure on and he's got nothing from it it's you know in a weird way this is the worst race of Hamilton season and it's probably the point that he's kind of the point of no return I think I, I just can't see Bottas mm. coming back now if Bottas had got that second place or whatever it would have been and claw the points back, we'd have been like, okay, maybe there's a championship fight on here. I honestly can't see Bottas coming back from this. This this was his big chance and he put it in the wall. Yeah, he dropped it all by himself. Super, yeah. super, super disappointed with Bottas. I, I like him a lot, but yeah, really disappointed it, with him. Like you say, though, it was his weekend to try and capitalise and he's, like you say, he's ended up worse off than he was at the start of the weekend. Yeah, so, it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Crazy. What that led to was Verstappen coming away with the lead after the restart, um, leading from Kvyat and Stroll. And yes, that is right. Kvyat second <laughs> and Stroll third. There was there wasn't many laps left at this point, and Vettel used that as to spur him on. I think to just 
blast his way through the field as best he could. Uh, and he ultimately overtook Sainz, Stroll, and then Kvyat over the course of the last few laps, uh, taking himself to second. But Kvyat did hold on for the podium finish for the Toro Rosso. Um, at the at the point of that last restart, like so much had been going on before it that it'd been really hard to keep track of like how people changed positions. And honestly, if you told me that for that safety car restart, they just thrown all the names in the air and the order they landed <laughs> on the floor was the order they put the cars in like it just i don't know how they all got in that order still yeah. and i've watched like various replays and highlights yeah, i need to you know what i genuinely want to re-watch this entire race because i think was, i'm going to yeah. i've already done it today <laughs> so there was definitely worth doing <laughs> there was a bit of a patch in the middle that i missed anyway because i had to do something but like the yeah just when we got to that point i totally agree with you when we got to that point it was like I, w- I was just lost at that point. I was like, yeah. how have we got here? <laughs> it's yeah. just absolutely crazy. Before the end as well, we managed to lose Gasly. <sighs> and pretty much the last bit of action, mm. I guess, before the end of the race. But uh, Gasly essentially ended up retiring because he took his front wing off on the rear of Albon's car while trying to overtake him. Nothing ever came of it. I think it did get investigated briefly, but nothing ever came of it. So he's gone down as a racing incident, which I think it's Gasly's fault. It's yeah, totally like Gasly's it's his fault. I thought. Like it's yeah, just went into the back of him. That's it. And I think, yeah, completely. If it had been Albon that had ended up retiring and Gasly not, I think we might have seen something the other way in terms of a penalty. But in that scenario where Albon's managed to continue and Gasly's retired, it's it's ended up as a racing incident. But do you think that shows the pressure Gasly's under in the same way that Bottas was clearly under pressure and maybe cracked a little bit under it? This weekend, do you think we've seen the same from Gasly? Because he knows that with Kvyat and Albon both performing, yeah. his seat is potentially under threat now. You yeah, definitely, definitely don't want the sister team and the ju- well, the junior team, I suppose, isn't it? Really, yeah. technically, the junior team. Mm. You don't want their drivers beating you if you're Pierre Gasly. Absolutely no. not. So, yeah, I, I think he did. I think he was absolutely feeling the pressure there. He, he had a very mixed weekend, didn't he? Like he had the accident in FP two, and then. Seemed to have recovered and did decent in qualifying and then just struggled for a huge part of the race. Like it just seemed to go through kind of peaks and troughs and a bit more yeah, troughs than peaks. Again, though, it's it's just that lottery aspect of the race, isn't mm. it? I think in that in that respect. Because he wasn't too far behind Verstappen in I think he was only two attempts behind Verstappen in quality in the end. Yeah. And it looked like he'd sort of again, you know, his form has continued from from Great Britain. But um, yeah, and the the race was such a lottery. Lottery. I don't think you can really blame anyone for any of the accidents. I think it was just so the conditions were so ridiculously difficult for mm. them that you can't really blame any any individual for any of the mistakes that were made on the track. Yeah, I mean, I think every single driver had at least one moment that could have put them out of the race. Yeah, like. It, it, was just chaos out just there. just look how many finished only 13 f- 13 cars yeah. were classified as finishing the race yep it's only toro rosso's second ever podium as well isn't it yes oh yeah because uh, the other Vettel one Vettel Vettel wins wins back in, in yeah 2008 it's, yeah. it's <laughs> also red bull's first ever win at hockenheim is it oh yeah, really they've won, they've won the german grand prix before but at nurburgring uh, only at nurburgring yeah. yeah so they've never won at yeah. hockenheim until max won this weekend as if, yeah. In terms of post-race roundup, <laughs> uh, both <laughs> alphas were penalised after the race for 
what was branded as the use of driver aids during the starts, which basically clutch systems to do with the way that the the clutch torque is released. Engages. It's, yeah, it's very engages, yeah. Um, which... Well, it's traction control, isn't it? it yeah, <laughs> in... in simplest terms that's basically what it is um and there's there's a limit that they have to be within and they were quite a long way outside that limit uh apparently they're appealing it though yes they are i don't think anything much will come of it because if there's a i think if there's a set figure and you are outside that figure then it's fairly cut and dry isn't it you would imagine so Mm, i mean i don't know exactly how it works i don't know what you've what you guys have read but like it's so like just to clear up what this is it's to do with the way the clutch engages and there's there's apparently they've got a special way of the 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 clutch slightly disengaging in the same way that um traction control works in a car but the way traction control works in the car is it cuts engine power and that improves traction that way because you're not spinning up the wheels this does the same thing, but instead of cutting engine power, it disengages the clutch ever so slightly and then re-engages it. So you get like a the same effect, essentially. So you get, it's, it's kind of like reverse ABS. If you think of yeah, like your yeah. brakes, like the ABS, will, when you're braking, if you brake too hard and you lock the wheels, it'll release the brakes and then re-engage them to, to improve traction and to regain grip on the road. Yeah. And yeah, that's what this is the opposite way to that. Um, and yeah, they're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you say it all sounds very illegal to me. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it is a very fine measurement. Like I think the measurements were um, there's a there's a specified time of a, a seventy millisecond time period, and um, they were as far out as 300 milliseconds, which I know it sounds a very small amount, but in comparison to each other is yeah. a lot. And I, that's where it's come from effectively. Um, it's yeah. Interesting. I'd love, I'd love to know exactly how that works. I'd, really, I'd love really to see fascinating. the science behind it. Hopefully we'll get some analysis yeah. on it uh, to see the, yeah, the actual intricacies involved in it. But what that did lead to is the promotion of, there were four drivers that ended up moving up a position because of it. Uh, because they got slapped with a 30-second time penalty per car. Um, But it did mean that Williams scored their first point of the season thanks to Mm -hmm. Robert Kubica being promoted to 10th. So that's his first point since his return, and then Williams' first point of the season. You've got to be in it to win it. Yeah, Um, They are in it every race. They are in the end of the race. Actually, in fact, I believe I'm right in saying Williams are now, with Bottas' retirement, Williams are now the only team to have had both cars finish every single race this season. Impressive. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's just a shame that they're not fast enough to do much. Yeah, with exactly. Yeah, when you're not near any other cars. Yeah, when you're not battling anyone, then you're probably going to finish. Yeah. Uh, do you know what record uh, Kibitza has set with that point? Uh, What's that? It is. Go on, Tom. You can have a go. <laughs> I was going to say the longest time between points, but... No, you are absolutely is right. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, his last points were in the 2010 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which was eight years and 258 days ago. Wow. It's a long time to wait for one more point. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it one could be an important point. point. One <laughs> more point. Uh, it also means every team will score a point this season now, which yeah. I think it's 
four seasons in a row that's happened now. So whoever said F1 isn't competitive, every team scoring points. <laughs> F1's dead. F1's dead, guys. That, that is a prime example of twisting a statistic to your own benefit. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. F1 is definitely competitive. Every single team has scored a point for the last four seasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a point. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on from that whirlwind of a race, uh, driver of the day, I think there's a few candidates for this and probably the the top three on the podium uh instant candidates you've got verstappen somehow managing to hold on to that car through a, a, a number of incidents to, to take the win you've got vettel driving from the back of the grid to second and you've got Kvyat in machinery that is in all honesty not supposed to be capable of fighting for that position making the hmm. best of the conditions and coming home with an amazing result. Um, there's probably other candidates out there as well that you might have between you, but I think those are the first three. Honestly, any one of the top six, I think you could make a very good argument for. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mentioned earlier, but Albon, in his the first time he's literally ever driven a Formula One car in the wet to bring you home sixth. Like he said yeah. at one point, the team were on the radio saying, how is it out there? Do you want to switch to slicks? And he said, he just had to go, I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. You tell me if I should be on slicks because I honestly don't know what I'm supposed to be doing now. <laughs> yeah. Which is very honest for a Formula One driver. Yeah, um, refreshingly so. In yeah, fact. I love that about Albon. He is very, very honest. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, he really is. I like him a lot. Vettel is probably... <clears throat> The obvious choice, like 20th to second, is damn impressive. But I kind of want to give it to Kvyat just because it's so nice to see him back up there. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that. Like, I, I think that it shows where he's improved from his previous time in F1 and yep. where he's now maybe got that sort of weight off his shoulders of the pressure that he was under previously. Now that pressure has been like directed elsewhere within the Red Bull family. Yeah. It's kind of freed him up a little bit and he mm. seems a little bit more relaxed and able to get the best out of himself and the car and stuff like that. So I think we've seen new improved Danny Kvyat this season. Mm. There was something poetic about that podium as well, wasn't there? Because um, he was still on the podium with the bloke who took his seat at yeah. Red Bull and the bloke who caused him to lose his seat in Red yes, Bull. Yes, actually. Yeah. Um, the which, torpedo saga. Yeah, yeah. So if that was if that if this was a film, that'd be the end of the film. <laughs> the teary-eyed moment where he's finally yeah. ob- achieved his his grand objective. <laughs> the, just 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 on quickly on Kavia, the hilarious thing is, in coming third, he was best of the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Which is mad. That is what a bizarre race. Wow. A bit weird. Um Oof. Driver of the day. For me, I, I can't give it to Verstappen because he had a shocker of a start and he had a big spit, a couple of big moments. He had that big um, sideways moment and a spin. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think Kvyat was relatively clean from what I saw. And Vettel was obviously, very, must have been relatively clean as well. Uh, for me, it's got to be Vettel, but you, you've already both outvoted me, so we're going to give it to <laughs> Kvyat. <laughs> Yeah. Vettel's a very, very, very close yeah. second for me. Do you know what? I like the poetic um, flip, I guess, between this year's race and last year's where you had Lewis having issues in quali, starting far back and driving through the field and and being able to take advantage of Vettel making a mistake and crashing. And you've kind of got that almost reversed this year with Vettel having issues in quali and having to drive through the field and Lewis 
ending up behind him because of a mistake and and crashing. And it's, I don't know, it just feels a little poetic that it's kind of flipped at the exact same point in the season. Yeah. Mm. I I hope this leads to a Seb sort of resurgence and he goes into what's left of the season a little bit buoyed by by that because he seemed very, very pleased with the drive, which he ought to be. But I just hope we see a better better side of him back now. He actually probably handled the conditions better than anybody else out there, yeah, didn't yeah. he? I think. I think so, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, one more thing on Kvyat. Um, he had his first uh, child the day before the race, so yes. if that's not a reason to give him drive of the day, I don't know where it is. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Okay, sold. <laughs> Next. Okay. Can I give you one more mad stat oh, for this race, Wallace? Go on, man. Mind? <laughs> Did you see, I think it was on Friday or Saturday, Daniel Ricciardo posted on Instagram him and 10 other F1 drivers stuck in a lift? No, yes, I'd not I didn't that. see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was literally more than half a Formula One grid stuck in one lift, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. However, every single driver that retired from the race was in that lift. The only two that survived the lift were Russell and Kvyat, I think. Other than them two, all the rest of the lift stuck drivers retired from the race. Wow. That's interesting. So it's clearly, clearly a cursed lift. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, move of the day. Uh, the, the ones that I wrote down before recording were the one we've already talked about, which was Kimmy's defence turning it into an overtake as well. Um, and then because it's not always necessarily about like the the on-track action itself, the, the fact that Stroll was willing to take that gamble onto Slicks that little bit before everybody else and, and obviously it paying off into what was ultimately a fourth place at the end of the day. I think that's worth a mention. Decision of the day. Yeah, decision of the day. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think for me, phew, on track action, there were a few. There were a few. I thought, I thought, I actually thought Magnussen's overtake on Grosjean was pretty good. Grosjean wouldn't agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Stroll defending against, um, against, against Bottas. Um, yeah, causing putting the such pressure on Bottas to get by that bot, it led to Bottas leaving the track and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I think to the be one honest, that stands the, out is definitely the Kimi the Kimi defense and overtake for me. Yeah, that was the one that I had in mind as well. I think just it just looks so nice good to them. just yeah def- defend and then oh I'm done defending I guess I'll just overtake this bloke in front yeah. of me. Now. <laughs> I, but the, you know what? The, 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 at the same time, I think that just showed the the difficulty of the conditions like you could yeah, yeah it shows really how does. difficult it was to drive one minute you've got no traction next minute you've got all the traction and yeah you just don't know what the track's going to do from corner to corner and, and that was obvious and being on the right tire at the right time as well it came into play because th- at that point part of the reason that it all came about is magnuson was struggling on the wets when inters were maybe the yeah. tire to be on so it's it's all just a fine balancing act isn't it when it comes to this and that's, that's why we love it <laughs> Uh, and then last one for this race. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Ooh. Ooh. I was um, struggling to think of something to put forward for this because there's hard, there's a isn't it? there's a few things that I guess would normally be candidates, but it's I don't know the the conditions feel a bit exceptional circumstances. But mm, well, I, I mean, I think there's qualifying. You could give it to Ferrari for both yeah. cars. Yeah. Yeah. Suffering, suffering mechanical failures. I think that'd be mine. I, I think if it was a race-based incident, I think it would be for me Leclerc going off three times in the same place and just basically not 
learning from the previous time. Like, like Chris said earlier, it was like we sort of saw a bit of a chink in his repertoire, mm, I guess. But. Yeah, I, I still though, I, I just don't think it's fair. I think the track was evolving and changing so much, and mm. they're pushing, pushing. I think it shows that he's a, he's a racer and he's pushing and he's trying to find the time and get the win. So I don't I really have a problem with Some, him going off. Sometimes, though, being careful and staying on the track is the way to be the fastest and come out with the win, isn't it? Yeah. Tell, tell that to um, Max Verstappen, who spun twice and still won the race. <laughs> but that, I think that's the difference, isn't it? Like, Verstappen had incidents and, I guess, learnt from them. Like, he didn't try that move again in the hairpin because he knew that what the inside line was like and he was probably a little more careful through the kink in the in the stadium afterwards. Yeah, but He did a pirouette to the podium. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I still think you two are both being way too kind to Mercedes and that nah. pit stop was hey. apt. I, if we're going by the exact letter of this award... It, that pit stop made me say WTF, and I bet multiple people involved yeah, okay. in the pit stop were I, saying WTF are we doing here? I guess as well, depending on how we define it, seeing Stroll lead the race was a literal WTF <laughs> moment. I was yeah. like, WTF, Stroll's in the lead. <laughs> so yeah. there is that as well. We've got to narrow it down to one. I'm, I'm voting <laughs> for flat cap chaos. You're not moving oh, me on okay. that. That's oh, my that's vote. Oh, we've chaos, got an episode yeah. title there. Let's go with it. Yeah. Like yeah. Chaos. I, I just, you know what? I just tried to get when it pirouette to podium. I just tried to get you in. Tried. And you tried absolutely shrunk <laughs> me. You know, um, alliteration's my thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, go on. Then I can go for flat cap chaos. That's it. Hey. And that makes your job in in 20 minutes a little bit easier. You really does. Chris has written it down already in the group. <laughs> I'm just keeping. I'm just keeping notes. I'm writing down things we say that could be episode titles. I've got titles. the episode title this week. <laughs> right. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it's predictions. I'm gonna take a rest. It's been like yeah, you good job getting through that race. Tom. I'm yeah, glad well this done, was your mate. episode and not mine. Yeah. We don't have much. Um, we don't have much time either. Yeah. Yes. Predictions. Uh, we'll get through them quickly, um, which will be easy because there weren't many points scored. Me and Stu both got a point for having Hamilton on pole against all odds, and we were not even close to scoring anything else. <laughs> um, in fact, no one was. The high score this week was only two out of five. Uh, I think five people mentioned uh, managed that. It was Jessica Vernon, Duncan Monday, Tomling, Victor Talanda, and Ryan Lee all got two out of five. So your joint highest scorers. Um, the Top three in the table has stayed exactly the same. Uh, Timothy George has extended his lead slightly uh, on 20.5, followed by Neil Hyde on 18 and Katie O'Brien on 17 points. Mm. And that is, that's all there is for predictions. For for predictions results, at least. Predictions results, at least, yes. But yeah. it's it's back-to-back time, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Hungary um, coming up. Hungary. Can you believe it's been a year since we were in Hungary? That feels like... Yeah. Oh, it wasn't nearly that I, long ago. I can believe it because Facebook won't stop reminding me about being in <laughs> Germany and, and Hungary last year. <laughs> That's a good point. Coming yes, up, just really. going, Do you remember where you were last year? I'm like, yeah, thanks for that. And that's why I'm not on Facebook. I remember where I was last year. <laughs> okay, so storylines into the Hungarian Grand Prix. Um, I'm going to keep it brief this week. We're just going to do one. Will the Hungarian GP give us four great races in a row? Because we've had three and they've been absolutely electric. Just when we thought Formula One was dead. 
<laughs> Just when hashtag Formula One is dead. Yeah. Backslide for the ri- It rises from the ashes um, and produces some amazing races. I mean, history tells us that the Hungara Ring is going to put a stop to that because it doesn't. <laughs> there's not been many classics at the Hungara you're Ring, but there have been be some. A, you're supposed to be hyped on the Hungara Ring. Not... <laughs> I'm just being realistic. There have been some good races, um, especially if there's a bit of rain, which is entirely yeah, possible there. Absolutely. With the weather in Europe at the moment, it could totally happen. It could do absolutely anything, couldn't it? Yeah, it could do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think um, it, I think it depends on the conditions. If I'm honest, I've not had a chance to check the weather yet. Maybe I should, since we're doing predictions on <laughs> this. But um, hmm. yeah, like the, the quality session last year, the rain came, didn't it? And that that sort of spiced all that up. So yeah, that made it, it definitely great. has the potential. But I think it probably needs that factor of the elements thrown into it to to actually happen so we'll current forecast is for rain and thunderstorms on friday but hot on saturday and sunday no <laughs> we'll see we will see um can yes. anyone think of any other storylines going into the hungarian grand prix have a blank. red bull genuinely found some potential second place pits like have they actually caught ferrari this is a red bull track isn't it Mm. It is. They've been pretty successful there in the past. Yeah. Ricardo had a good drive last year, didn't he? he like drove through the field from memory. He did, yeah. You can eat some really, really tasty food in the uh, thing because back by popular demand is the catering shop. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's back. Um, but this is, I'm going to give an actual, genuine, real food recommendation this time. You oh, can yeah. get like a big thing of bread that they take the middle of the bread out and just leave you with a crust and fill it full of like a stew. Um, it's called goulash. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yes. it's really, really, really In a nice. proper bread bowl. Yeah, and you can also, if you're in Hungary, go into the city because Budapest is awesome um, and check out some of the ruin bars while you're there because they are the best places to party in the whole of uh, Hungary. They are awesome. If, we, yeah, if we're actually doing place. genuine recommendations as well, Langosh is pretty nice. That's also yes. available from Hungary. That's like, mm-hmm. it's like... Um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's like dough, fried dough, deep fried dough with like cream cheese and garlic and stuff like that. It's good. Mm, yeah, it's very nice. good. Um, driver to watch in Hungary, guys. Who are we going to have? I'm going to go for a resurgent back at his best, Sebastian Vettel. Ooh. Tom, who's yours? I'm going to go for a Calpol-filled Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> he's been a poorly boy hasn't he yeah. Has he? I didn't realise yeah he's ill all weekend yeah. oh goodness the well, excuses started early in the weekend the yeah. yeah yeah in fact um, we have a question about that later on so I won't say anymore yet okay and mine I'm gonna go for Grosjean for, as my driver to watch I wanna see Ooh. if he can recover from his um, difficult weekend against uh, Magnussen or, I just wanna <laughs> see how I was just gonna keep watching how this sort of inter-team battle unfolds um, and uh, Chris, got to get a team to watch from you, please. I'm going to say, for probably the first time ever, Mercedes. Because. Whoa. That's interesting. Be- or is I, it? I sound like I might have stolen Tom's answer. Well, mm-hmm. I was just we, we know firsthand how hot it can get in Hungary. And mm-hmm. I, based on practice in Germany, it still doesn't look like Mercedes have got to the bottom of their. Mm. issues in particularly hot weather so if it does turn out to be 
a sunny Saturday and Sunday, they actually might have another struggle this weekend, I think. Hmm. Um, Tom? Uh, probably the Red Bulls, because I, I want to see if they can keep taking this fight to Ferrari like they are and really make this push to to start properly challenging for wins. Like Max is driving the wheels off the thing. Like he's he's outperforming the car, I think, still, but the car definitely looks to be in a better place. And with them already having a good history at the Hungara ring, you'd think that that'd continue. So I'd really like I'm interested to see where Gasly ends up alongside like you know, if he stays on pace with Verstappen yeah. this weekend. So just yeah. a pair of them as a team. Well they they say it's Monaco without the walls. So yeah. um you know, last season Ricardo won in Monaco with hardly any engine power. <laughs> he was in a Red Bull. So yeah, um it's absolutely could happen. Uh my team to watch. Um I was gonna go Red Bull, but um I think I'm gonna go ha- I'm gonna go Haas because uh, Magnussen see, he qualified really, really well. Yeah. And um, he did have a, effectively a different car from what Grosjean had. So it, they've got a week to sort of have a look at these correlation issues and see see what's what and um, make some changes. And I just wonder where, you know, if, if they can pass any of that on to Grosjean and, and get them further up the field this week. Yeah, I wonder if he'll get the same spec car this weekend after they've done their correlation mm, yeah. stuff. And not only that, the team boss is saying we're going to imply team orders now because we're sick of them crashing. Mm. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, shall we make some predictions for the Hungarian Grand yeah, Prix let's... with all that in yes, mind? Yes, let's. <laughs> um, who's going to go first? Do you know what? I'll go first myself this time. I won't force one of you to do it. <laughs> uh, so Hungary, fastest in Q3 before penalties. Last year, it was Lewis Hamilton by quite a margin, um, as dominant as they were at this point last season. Uh, this year, I'm going to go for Sebastian Vettel. Okay. Interesting. Tom. Annoyingly, that is the same thing I was going to say, because I think <sighs> we've, got re- we've got a resurgence, and if it is due to be as hot as it potentially could be, I'm along the lines of, I think Mercedes might struggle, so I'm sorry, but I'm going to say Seb as well. Stu? Um, um, with Vettel flying high from uh, his great drive in uh, at the Hockenheim ring, I am going to say Verstappen. <laughs> he I was my he, second choice. I think Verstappen will get pole. I think if if the if it is as hot as, as we know it can be and um, the Mercedes struggles the way it has been in the heat, then he's going to be right in the pound seats for that for that pole position. Well, based on our look, that's a guaranteed Hamilton poll then. Yep. Uh, Tom, how about a winner? Well, for the similar logic that Stu is making for his poll choice, I am going with Max for a race win again to try and make Ooh. it back to back. Interesting. Uh, Stu? And Verstappen as well, because it is difficult to overtake at this track. Yeah. And if he does qualify on pole, I'm going to put my eggs in one basket. <laughs> Uh, I'm applying the same logic. I'm basically basing my choices on it being hot. So I'm going to say <laughs> Vettel for the win. Um, first DNF stew. Uh, last year it was Charles Leclerc. Ooh, um, this year, I don't think it was Charles Leclerc. I think Me neither. it will be someone from the mid. Uh, ooh, may... Grosjean's been crushy, but I'm going to go. <laughs> Stroll. I like crashy as a verb. <laughs> yeah. 
stroll, going, please. It's going stroll for stroll. Yeah. From the highs of leading a race. It's going to, it's going to go to, to the, Z. It's going to go the to lows. Z. Well, we all know how I like to do that and go from the... the I had a thing last year of saying, yeah. oh, he's done well, he's going to be first DNF. I'm going to do that for Kavia. Kavia, oh no. I thought you were going to... For a second, I thought you were going to copy my answer then. I would no. have been absolutely fuming. <laughs> no, Kavia. <laughs> Kavia. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for Gasly, I think. I think he's going to be trying a little bit too hard. Maybe. Maybe. Um, Number of finishers. It's my turn to go first. Last year, we had 17. Good old 17. Works for me. 17 again. <laughs> Tom? Um, I will go... Oh, it's a difficult one. Um... I think I'm going to go and annoy Stu and pick 16. Yeah. So, Stu, you're going to copy one of us. You're going to go wildcard. I'm going to go 18. Ooh, he's gone big. Gone big. Quite a few finishes at this race. And then we finally need a random driver. If this is Vettel, I'm going to be livid. It's not Vettel. It is Sergio Perez. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) That is the correct reaction, yeah. He's not been doing so great. In the, uh, the the racing point this season, it's not been the quickest car. No, 14 flash year. It's been a bit of a disappointment. I think it's Who, Tom's turn to go first. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with 11th. Knocking on the door of points, but maybe not quite there. Yeah, Stu? Oh, I don't think it'll be that high up. I think I'm going to go... I'm going to go 14th. I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. I'm going to say 12th, I think. Yeah, 12th. Um, That's a a good-looking table. I mean, it's it's got Hamilton clean sweep written all over it, hasn't it? There's points Um, on that table for us. I can see it. We just need to soundbite Stu saying that for when next week we all get zero. I thought that last week. (laughs) (laughs) But if you all think you can do better than us, which you probably can, uh, you can sign up if you haven't already at backofthegrid.com and you you have until the start of qualifying to enter your predictions. And as always, there's a prize for anyone who gets five out of five. So get involved if you've not already. Which leads us to a quick bit of inbox to finish up. Inbox. Um, yeah, so inbox this week. Oh, not much time left, so we'll rattle through them. Um, the first, well, well, we'll rattle through what we've got time for. The f- first one from me, the only one from me, um, Jim Hopper says, has Vettel reinvented, in inverted commas, himself slash his confidence with this strong performance and Verstappen drove away to multiple seconds per lap after the restarts? Is he currently the best wet weather driver? So has... Sebastian reinvented himself and is Verstappen the best wet weather driver. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say Vettel's quite reinvented himself. He did obviously have a strong performance. I don't think he necessarily needed to reinvent himself. I think he, he did. He did a look. look. A f- yeah, he did look a foot taller after that race. I think he desperately needed a good race like that. Hmm. And as we've already said, hopefully he can kind of carry that forward. Uh, yeah, I think that is he needed that kind of result just to. Like you say, it's not reinventing himself. It's just reawakening what was already there. Like he'd looked a bit yeah. down in the dumps, I guess, recently. And that we saw a definite change in him after that result. So yeah. fingers crossed. Got, for the best. Maybe got his mo- mojo back a little bit. Yeah. I'd say. But re- reinvented is too far. But mojo back, you know, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, and Verstappen 
best wet weather driver. I, I, you know, I keep saying it was the lottery. I don't think he is. That he spun. Yeah, <laughs> a few. He had a few wild moments. It, it was just where you were going to have a wild moment, and if you were unlucky, then you had it in a bad place. If you were lucky, yeah. like Verstappen, you had it in a not so bad place where you can recover. I think that was it. I think Vettel think... threw his hat in the ring as a candidate for one of the best drivers, despite what yeah, happened definitely. last time last year. This yeah. performance was like, like I said before earlier on, it like the almost the exact polar opposite of last year. So, yeah, I I still think it's probably Hamilton though. This one bad race for him doesn't undo all the spectacular yeah. wet races he's had in the past. I there still think that. he's probably on balance the best one out there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, next, we've got Sam Van Houten saying, um, what did we witness today? A third epic race on the bounce. Uh, this last few weeks are exactly what I love about F1, and it seems Red Bull is back in contention for at least P2 in the constructors. Uh, surely it's now borrowed time for Pierre. He's got beaten by both Toro Rossos, which is a great achievement for both Albon and new daddy Daniel, but... Dr. Helmet's axe must be getting sharpened as we speak, which <laughs> also leads us slightly into another one from Katie saying, in how many races do we think Kvyat will be replacing Ghastly? <laughs> ghastly. Yeah. Just typed Ghastly there, like the Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> um, a ghost of a man we once knew. <laughs> yeah. I think Gasly's best friend right now is the fact that Red Bull don't have drivers to replace anyone with Mm -hmm. so i don't think they're going to do anything too drastic too soon but i don't know i i think kavir would probably be better in that red bull than gasly right now how about you on recent performance i'd agree but i don't think they'll do it just yet because like you say they've it would mean having to demote pierre to the toro rosso or find someone to replace kavir if you dropped gasly completely so I don't think it happened just yet. It's been done to death, this, but I think um, Ocon needs to cut himself loose from the Mercedes fold and get himself in that Red Bull. I think he's the ideal candidate. Do you not think he's got a sniff at Bottas's seat, though? Maybe. maybe, Well, that leads me beautifully onto this question from Zimothy, who says, Ocon was on standby to replace Hamilton for qualifying uh, in the... Deutschland von Bosser German von Bosser Mercedes von Bosser GP. I think that's accurate. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, as I said earlier, Hamilton was very ill and apparently Ocon was like on standby to replace him. Um, so he says, firstly, Bottas's future is already in question. Had Ocon qualified and beaten Bottas, would you class that as slam dunk P45 in the post to Bottas and <laughs> contract for Ocon? Um, and second, hypothetically speaking, Ocon qualified first on the grid, but Hamilton was well enough to race. Where would Hamilton start? back of the grid question mark see what i did there and leave pole position empty um huh does it mean where would ocon start if no, no so meant where say, would hamilton say start? they put hamilton in the car sorry put ocon in the car ocon sticks it on pole then hamilton's well enough so hamilton does the race because obviously he's the championship leader i would assume in that situation hamilton would start from the pit lane pit and everyone lane, would get yeah. shuffled up i think yeah. Pit lane, yeah. generally i think that's what would happen whether pole would be left empty or they'd shuffle people up, I'm not yeah. certain. That, I mean, that's the this is the boring part of the question. Shall we go? To it the is the more part? interesting <laughs> part. Is yeah, had Ocon out qualified Bottas, would he be in that car for the next race? And do we think Ocon is ever going to be in that car? I guess. I don't know if Again. they didn't just immediately drop a guy and replace him based on one performance, but I think that 
it would definitely set a precedent, wouldn't it, of Bottas really would need to kind of pull his finger out for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, do you remember we're talking about a guy who's second in the championship? Yeah. Here. Like, it's yeah. not like he's slow. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And and that's why I actually don't think Bottas is going to go anywhere anytime soon because he, Mercedes are perfectly happy with him finishing second and third every race yeah. and Hamilton winning. Like, there's yeah. no drama between the two of them. They're still winning both championships. Mercedes are perfectly happy with that. They do not want another Hamilton Rosberg situation. And that's what's going to happen it, with Ocon potentially, isn't it? Really? Yeah, well, potentially. No, I don't know if it would. Another thing I'd like to point out here is we all look at Ocon with these sort of rose tinted glasses, maybe as a hangover from the pink car he used to drive. And, <laughs> you know, let's not forget that he, he got beaten by his teammate twice when he, was at, uh, when he was at Force India. Perez beat him both years. Yeah. You do, you do have to wonder if Ocon is the next Hulkenberg or Verline or Gasly, actually, yeah, where they're put up as the next big thing and they like dominate junior Formula, but when it comes to it, they're just not quite there in Formula One. Yeah, for me, it feels like Ocon could be our next. Um, are they better than Bruno Senna? <laughs> as long as he can get in a car at some point, <laughs> we just need you to know. go to Formula E, and then we'll have a perfect yeah. set of results yeah, yeah. to measure against. Like, yeah. You know, if you're measuring it that way, like who is is Russell better than Ocon? Is is Norris better than Ocon? Is Albon mm. better than Ocon? You know, like there's a few drivers on that grid who I I'd say probably are a bit better than Ocon was. So. He's, I definitely I think he's ready for the the big seat yeah i think he needs another season at least in a a force india or a, a house well, or something racing point yeah yeah sorry air racing not much chance of a seat in a force india mate <laughs> well um, it can't but it won't be moving very far <laughs> yeah, yeah. been a <laughs> in a shopping just center somewhere demo run <laughs> <laughs> just sat just sat in factory <laughs> i love how it's a shopping center as well oh just sorry a, just on display yeah <laughs> Right. Um, yes, I think that that's probably it for Inbox, isn't it, this week? Yeah, and yeah. I guess that's it for a, a very action-packed race weekend. <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah. Action-packed show. <laughs> yeah. um, please be sure to uh, like and subscribe if you have enjoyed the show. And uh, we hope you join us next week for the Hungarian Grand Prix review. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on social media in the meantime, you can do so. We are Back of the Grid F1 on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Back of the Grid. And we are at Back of the Grid on Instagram as well. And as Chris mentioned earlier, there is backofthegrid.com where there's a contact form and you can register to make your predictions for the race weekend. Uh, That is everything for this week. So thank you very much for joining us and goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.